We're in Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're looking at verses 14 through 18. Uh, verses 14 through 18. And so if you found that passage, could we stand and read that together? Starting at verse 14. The Bible says, And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the streets of the water gate and in the streets of the gates of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto the day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for it being a light unto our path. Thank you for it being our guide, our instructor, our counselor. Lord, the word of God is so precious to us as believers because it is your voice to us. It's what you had recorded that you wanted us, your people, to know. And Heavenly Father, as we look at this in Nehemiah, I trust it's not just what happened so many years ago, but let us see how it applies to our life today. What you want for us, dear Father, is your children. I thank you for each person who's come out tonight. And Lord, I pray you'll encourage us from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. May be seated. So as we continue verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah, Uh, Chapter 8 has been an exciting chapter because in the first verse, there he goes, in the first verse we found that they found the Word of God and uh, they started reading the Word of God and it's just an amazing thing because the Bible says that uh, Ezra got a pulpit of wood and and that's, that's why people have pulpits of wood. Uh, but then it says he stood upon it. So I'm guessing it didn't look the same exactly. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think you'd want to stand on this one. But uh, So what it was, it, it was an, an opportunity to raise him up above the people so that everyone could see who's preaching, who's reading. And he read the Word of God from the mid-morning through uh, the noontime and for hours... He's sitting there reading the Word of God, or standing there reading the Word of God. And as he read the Word of God, everyone stood up. And, and by the way, that's, that's also where we get that custom of let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Now, aren't you glad I didn't do it for three hours, though? But we get those things from Bible principle. 
Everything in church ought to be tied to a Bible principle. And so that's where we get that instruction. And that's why we do that. It's not that we all thought, well, let's all, but the Bible talks about those things. And uh, it's just amazing how they stood there day after day after day in, in reading the word of God. Now we come to our text in, in verse 14. And as they were standing up listening to the word of God and Ezra is reading God's word, he reads about the law of Moses and how Moses instructed the children to make booths. And those booths were almost like private sanctuaries. Every family made their own booth. And that reminds us of worshiping in our home. Now, we go to church and worship, but there ought to be some worship at home. Uh, Mom and dad ought to have the Word of God open. Children ought to look at the Word of God. You ought to have a time. You open God's Word. You read together. Uh, We have a practice that after our evening meal... Uh, We get our Bibles and we go through the Proverbs of the day. And then we also pick out a verse that speaks to our heart. We go around and we each pray. We give prayer requests. And it's just a wonderful time to center our lives around the Word of God. And we ought to do something like that. So these booths speak of private devotions as a family, speaking together. Uh, the Word of God. And so let me just encourage you, try to incorporate something in your life that puts a little bit of church in your home. Uh, Now, fathers, you don't have to stand up and preach a three-point sermon, uh, and you don't have to preach for several hours, but uh, share some of the Word of God and let everybody have a part. And so, They found that in the reading of Moses, and they realized we had not done that. In fact, our text says, since Joshua, since the days of Joshua, they had not done that. Well, you you think about that. So Joshua got them into the promised land. They spent 430 years in in, uh, Egypt. And then they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. And then Joshua comes over and he's in the land for 40 years. And then you have uh, Samuel and you have the priest kings. You have Samuel come up and first and second Samuel. And then you have Saul and then uh, David and then Solomon and you keep going through the kings and then divided kingdom, and then you get into captivity. You have the Assyrian captivity that took Israel into captivity. And then a hundred years later, the Babylonians came and took uh, Judah into captivity for 70 years. And then you've had them come back. And then you had uh, Zerubbabel come back and rebuild the temple. You had Ezra come back and start teaching the law of God. And then God calls this cupbearer, Nehemiah, to come back and rebuild the walls. So I'm just saying, it's been the whole historical section of the Old Testament, and they've not obeyed God's word about making booths. 
but they read it. Someone says, uh, is God's word telling us we're supposed to do that? Well, that's, that's how it sounds to me. I, I've never done that before, have you? No. I don't remember my parents doing that before. But if that's what God's word says, shouldn't we be doing that? Well, there's only one obvious answer to that one, right? Yeah. If, if it's God's word, then yes. And the people get excited about it. And Ezra the priest gets excited. And there was great joy in the, in the nation of Israel as they, for the first time in all these many, many years, obeyed God's word. And so in this passage, we've entitled this message, Going by the Book. Going by the Book, because that's what they found. Nothing is better than going by the book. And by that, I mean just taking God's word at its face value and obeying it. I would not want to stand before God and be a group of pastors or whatever spiritual leader names they want to give themselves that have spent my ministry explaining away the Word of God. Well, it really doesn't mean that. Well, in the original, it doesn't mean that. Well, it doesn't say that. Why don't we tell people, thus saith the Lord? We ought to build a family of faith, not not a family of agnostics, you know. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I don't know if God's Word's true. I don't know. No, we want to say the Word of God is true. And we can apply it. And nothing's better than just going by the book and taking it at face value. We will only be happy and successful as we learn to go by God's Word in our everyday lives. Uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. And someone later said, God says it, whether you believe it or not, that settles it. And I know that's true because it's God's word. I like the old preacher that says, I believe it from cover to cover, and I believe the cover because it says Holy Bible. And that's what we ought to be. Someone else said, well, that's awful narrow-minded, isn't it? And I say, yeah, it's about that thick. And that's the way we ought to live our lives, by the word of God. Nothing is more happy then going by the book, it will bring great joy and blessing into your life as a believer. And we see that in our text here tonight. They found out what God's Word says. In verses 14 and 15, they found out that the Word of God said they should build booths. God told them, first of all, where to dwell. And He says, in booths during the feast, a seven-day feast... He told them where to go. He says, go to the mount. He told them what to do. He says, fetch olive branches, pine branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and uh, thick tree branches. And and there apparently was the post to hold up the booths. And then it was what to do is as it was written, the Bible says, became the only thing that mattered to them. And that's the kind of Christians we ought to be. What does the Word of God say? It's not our opinion. 
It's, if we didn't take a vote on it and try to figure out what God's for and the majority rules, God rules. If we all vote against it, whatever God's word says, that's what's true. It's not us. We are not the authority. We are simply God's children. They found out what God's word said, and they did it. In verses 16 and 17, we see they simply obeyed the word of God. The Bible says in verse 16 that they, the people went forth and brought them and made every, uh, made themselves booze. So they read about what they were supposed to do and they did it. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Oh man, that's a formula that always works in the Christian life. Listen to what God's word says and do it. And so here the people went forth. They did exactly what the book said in verse 16. And every uh, one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the streets of the gates of Ephraim. So they made themselves booths according to the instructions of God's word. I like what Mary said to the servants concerning uh, the first miracle of Jesus, and that was in Cana of Galilee at the wedding feast of a young couple. Yesterday we had a wonderful wedding of a young couple, and we're so happy for them, and they'll be working on staff here uh, in our school. And I believe God's got a wonderful life for them. But at this wedding of Cana of Galilee, you notice this young couple ran out of refreshments. And Mary, first of all, goes to her son and says, Jesus, you could help them. And, and Jesus said, well, Mom, you know, it's not my time yet. And uh, Mary had a little pull with God, not for salvation, but for working miracles and and he agreed, and she goes over to the servants, and Mary says, Whatsoever he saith unto thee, do it. Isn't that a great way to live your life? Whatever God says, do it. Whatever Jesus says in his word, do it. And that's the way we ought to be. Not whatsoever God says, well, let me figure if there's a loophole on this. Let's see if there's a way I can get around this, a way I can get out of this. Maybe he wasn't talking to me. Maybe he was talking to these believers, or maybe he was talking to unsaved people. Maybe he was talking, and I understand we have to take the Word of God in context. I understand that. But we don't take the Word of trying to get it out of context. <laughs> we don't take the Word of God and try to get out of it because we don't like that implication of God's word on our lives. When we know what God's word says, that's when we should respond. The Bible says concerning salvation, today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. You go by any graveyard and there's people 
buried there of all ages. You just start looking at those tombstones and start reading and start looking at those dates from when they were born and when they passed away. And you're going to find that some of them were children. Some of them were babies. Some of them were teenagers, young adults. We don't have a promise. Do you know many people go into eternity perfectly healthy? It's just one fall. It's just one car wreck. It's just one tragedy. And all of a sudden, they're gone. And by the way, that could happen to any of us. And we know that. But you know, as a believer, we don't fear that. Because we know where we're going. We're going to be with Jesus. We're not afraid of death. They made themselves booths and they obeyed. They, notice also they obeyed the book together. In verse 17, it says, And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths. Isn't it wonderful when all God's people are doing what God's Word says? What if you went to a church and you're the only one trying to do what God's Word says? What if the pastor read from the Word of God and God's word says, sing unto the Lord. And so you think, well, if that's God's word, I'm going to do it. And you start singing and you look around, you're the only one doing it. Isn't it good when the whole congregation tries to obey God's word? Boy, it sure makes it easier to serve God when you're in a group where everybody loves Jesus and everybody wants to serve the Lord. Now, none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. But we have a heart for God. We love the Lord, and we're with brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to do what's right. The whole congregation made booths. Boy, that had to be encouraging. I don't know. Ezra, I know I would call him like a preacher. I know he was a priest, but could you imagine that if a preacher preached on a subject and And then that next week, everywhere he met his members, they were doing what he preached. It'd be like, whoa, Jesus, call me home. I'm ready. (laughs) You know, it'd be like, wow, look at that. What an amazing thing that took place when the whole congregation said, let's go do this. Could you imagine he's walking through the congregation And all the ladies have armfuls of palm branches and all different types of tree branches. Could you imagine going into the forest and seeing all the trees bare? (laughs) And can you imagine the men carrying these poles, these thicker branches for the walls of the booths? And they're carrying those and they have a cart and they have a pile of them and here they go. And how encouraging. I know we have preachers here even uh, that have pastored and are pastoring different places. But let me tell you, oh, that would encourage the heart of a pastor. Oh, it sure would. What, What if we said, we'd sure like you to take some invitations and pass them out to your neighbors or uh, take them to McDonald's or Starbucks or wherever you go and just pass out a gospel track. 
What if after the service, an usher came up to the pastor and said, now, pastor, uh, do we have any more of these tracks? Well, well, yeah, we got a big pile of them out there in the foyer. Oh, yeah, they're all gone. They're what? Amen. What? Well, yeah, they're all gone. Well, I know in the print room downstairs, we got several boxes. Uh, yeah, but we already got those. What? There's 5,000 in each one of those boxes. You mean they're empty? Yeah. You preached the sermon. It's your fault. I mean, you, you told them. And everybody got them? Oh, yeah, Pastor. They were carrying stacks out. They didn't get one or two. I mean, they, were, they got a handful, every single one of them. That's why we ran out. And, Pastor, there's a line. And there's still about 20 or 30 people waiting for their tracks. I'd say, call me home, Jesus. I'm ready. <laughs> That's exactly what happened in this passage of Scripture. The whole congregation got busy obeying the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying next time a pastor preaches on something, everybody. You know, but I am saying the way we live our life is to listen to what God's word and make application. Hear what God says, how it applies to our life, and do it. You see, the truth that's preached is for everyone. The application is personal, and the Holy Spirit will apply it to your life how he wants you to practice it. And so let me just encourage all of us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God so that we obey the book together. Uh, I started Grandview Baptist Church 37 and a half years ago. And on the very first Sunday, I said this, I'd rather pastor 10 people going in the same direction than a thousand people going every which way. You can't get anything done there. But if you get 10 people going in the same direction, you can eventually run a thousand. Because when we're going in the same way, we can accomplish great things for the cause of Christ. There is no end to what a church can accomplish when its membership is going in the same direction, listening to God's word, obeying God's word. They obeyed the book together. In verse 17, we find that their obedience brought great joy. And it says, for since the days of Joshua, the, uh, the son of Nun, unto the day that they had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. There's something about obeying God's word. You feel good. There's times I've been out sharing my faith and it seemed like nobody was responsive. And it was one of those rainy days, cold days. And I don't mind the rain. I don't like cold rain. Oh, man, that's the worst uh, Oregon has to offer is cold rain. And you're out there and you're getting soaked and you're getting wet and it's cold and your fingers are freezing and nobody's interested. And you come back. How was it? Uh, well, I, I got to talk to two people and they said, no, thank you. OK, <laughs> but you know what? I was still faithful. 
I was still faithful. And so I encouraged myself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. I do that quite often. I encouraged myself. Well, I did what God wanted. I tried to share the gospel. And I feel good about myself when I try to share the gospel. Let's just all do what God's word says. The Bible tells us, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And that's where we are from Jerusalem. We're on the uttermost parts of the world here in Oregon. And yet it's still God's plan for us to share the gospel. And we even make it convenient. We write it on these little things called tracks and you can just pass them out. You don't have to be a great spokesman. You can get the gospel to other people. They obeyed the gospel or obeyed the book together and their obedience brought great gladness. The happy Christians are the ones working for the Lord. You see, when you have a church that's working for Jesus, you don't have a church that has time to critique each other. Boy, as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're going to be happy Christians. If we start looking at each other, we're not going to be. We're going to find fault with each other. You just look long enough at any one of us, and you're going to find out he's human. Yeah, we admit that. She has falls. Yeah, we all do. But see, we don't look on each other because then you just become a critiquer. You find imperfection. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, you can look at Jesus all you want. All you see is more perfection. We never get disturbed looking at Jesus. I always worry about a Christian that always looks at it, always figures out every problem. Let me just say, you're looking at the wrong thing. Someone says, uh, Pastor, I know, I, I think there's a problem. Well, I'm the pastor. I know more problems than you know. But I cannot look at the problems. If all I did was look at the problems, I'd give you my resignation right now. We're just a human church. We're not a perfect church. Now, I know we have visitors saying, I just love your church. Don't worry, you'll get over it. <laughs> just, just stick around a little while. You'll get over it. You say, oh, that singing was so wonderful. Well, give her a few months and you'll say, oh, that should be shorter. Uh, you know, it's so good, but it, it was a minute longer. Or, uh, oh, that, I've heard her sing ten times, you know. I've heard, well, you see, I don't care how good it is. It wears out because we're imperfect. Imperfect people ministering for Christ. But if we'll keep our eyes on Jesus... We'd be happy if the same person sang Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I was telling someone just before uh, we started the service, I said, yeah, we got good people. I just wish the preaching was better. 
Well, I'm still practicing, right? Making progress. I talked about that this morning. We all need God in our life. And we all need what God is doing. And here they heard the Word of God. They practiced the Word of God. And as long as we're doing that, we're going to find great joy in the life of a believer. Let me just throw out this one little hint to joy. If you have joy as a Christian, eventually your face will find it out. I got joy. Okay. I got joy deep in my heart. Deep, deep down in my heart. Yeah, well, let it out a little. Let, it, let, let your face, let your face show that. The Bible talks about the light of his countenance. Your countenance is your facial expression. The Bible, David says, Lord, lift up thy countenance. In other words, he's saying, smile at me, God. And that's all we need is heaven's favor. God smiling at his children. That's all we need. We don't need the government on our side. We don't need the world on our side. But we need God on our side. Smiling at his children. And uh, let me just encourage you. You might have to work at it. But practice smiling because that is preparation for heaven. You don't want to go around heaven with a frown and someone say, how'd you get in here? <laughs> this, this is not your place. <laughs> so, so might as well practice putting on a good countenance and smiling as a believer. You're heaven bound. Your sins are forgiven. You're not going to hell. Heaven's your home. Brothers and sisters in faith are your people. God is your Father. Jesus is your Savior. The Holy Spirit is your guide. What's not to smile about? We've got it all going for us because God gave it all for us. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice. That's all we have to do is just obey God. And it's not checking off a list. It's just having a heart for God. You don't have to look at all, you know, I think there are 600 and some commandments that the Israelites were supposed to keep, especially the Pharisees. All we have to do is love Jesus. And, and we'll just automatically keep those things. You love Jesus, you'll treat your neighbor as, your, as yourself. You love Jesus, you'll be kind and gracious and forgiving to other people. You love Jesus and you'll want everyone to know about him. We'll keep the word of God when we fall in love with the Savior. John chapter 14 verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. They go hand in hand. Love motivates obedience. 
you're having a trouble obeying what God's Word says, don't look at the command. Look at the one who gives it. Focus on the giver of the Word. And that's God. And that's Christ. And when you focus on the giver of the Word, you're going to be happy. That's going to bring joy. If you just look at the list of what you ought to do and ought not to do and should not do and might not ought to do and might should do and might not ought, you know, it's like, oh, that's just frustrating. God did not call us to be spiritual accountants, figure out all of that. But he did, follow, he did call us to love him. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened to the first, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you'll do number one, you will keep the other commandments as well. I love what it says in Matthew. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I know Christian says, well, my first priority is this, my second is this, my third is this, my fourth is this. Listen, if you'll just put Jesus in number one, he will take care of all the other priorities of your life. Amen. You'll have your wife, your husband in the right priority. You'll have your children and grandchildren in the right priority. All you have to do is seek God and his righteousness and all those other things shall be added unto you. They stayed in the book according to verse 18. The Bible says also day by day from the first day until the last day he read in the book of the law of God and they kept the feast seven days and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. So he read in the book of the law of God. First of all, it says daily, day by day. Secondly, it says consistently from the first day unto the last day. Now, that's how we're to read God's Word, day by day, and from the first day we come to faith in Christ to the last day of our life on earth. We need to live by God's Word, live by the book, and that's what God's telling us. Let me close with this, Joshua 1.8, a wonderful challenge. Keep in mind, they had not kept this since the days of Joshua. And it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. What a wonderful promise. Many years ago, I had a businessman in our church say to me, Pastor, I'm going through a slow time. Is there any biblical principle you could share with me that might help me? I said, sure. Read God's word more. And he looks at me and says, well, I, I appreciate that spiritual advice, but do you have any maybe business advice? Sure. Read God's word more. Uh, okay, well, that makes me a better Christian, but how does that help me in business? So I quoted Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. 
then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. You want to get it God's way? You spend time in God's Word. Dr. Russell Anderson was a businessman. Uh, He actually had a company that made sheetrock and then eventually made a whole lot of it and distributed it all over the Midwest. And uh, he accumulated probably about 30 or 40 million dollars. Hiles Anderson College is called after Dr. Jack Hiles, its founder, and Russell Anderson, the one who gave most of the money of which purchased the facility of the college and also uh, sustained it financially for many, many years. He probably had given 30 to 40 million dollars away of his own wealth to God's work. But he always had a practice when he was in business. He said, I got up early and I spent two hours in God's word. And I had a notebook where I wrote down everything God gave me. He said, Pastor, I have a stack of notebooks this tall. He said, but here's how I felt. I felt after like two hours in the morning with God, there was no competitor in my region that could touch me. Because God's blessing was on my life and on my business. I felt like when I got God's wisdom, he gave me all that I needed to be successful. And he used it for God's glory. You know, that's true for us. You want to be a successful mother, you need to be in the book. You want to be a good grandfather, grandmother, We need the book. You want to be a good teenager. You want to grow up and have a good life. One day find a successful partner in marriage that loves the Lord Jesus like you do. It all starts by getting in the book. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the illustration here in the book of Nehemiah. How they saw how they had not obeyed your word. And they all jumped in together to obey the word of the Lord. Now, Father, as a church and as individuals, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you let us know the areas that we need to accomplish What we need to do as individuals and collectively as a church, and Lord, let us be just like these Israelites. We listen to your word, we hear it, and we obey it by God's grace and strength. And so, Father, if there's anyone here this evening that needs special prayer, we're going to have an invitation, and they can come and pray around an old-fashioned altar and talk to you and get things straight. Lord, I pray that you'll work in all of our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let God speak to your heart. Heads are bowed, the music's playing. And decide what it is that God wants you to do in your life. Maybe it's I need to read the word of God more. 
I need to do a little bit more in this area or that area. God bless you. So good to have each one of you here with us. Let me say to all the ladies, if you would like to help on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., Miss Vicki and the ladies that show up will be putting together the favors, the gifts that we give to all the ladies at the ladies' conference, and they're putting together bags together as gifts. And if you can help toward that, then show up Tuesday at 10 o'clock. If you'd like to be a part of the regular Monday morning Bible study, then you show up at 9.30 at our home, which is right on the church property. If you don't know where we live, you just go out the driveway, go to the first mailbox on your left, go down the driveway, and that's our home. And I won't be there because it's full of ladies. I get out of town. And uh, But Miss Vicki is there with all the ladies, and if you've not been around Miss Vicki, you're not only going to learn a biblical principle, you're going to have a lot of laughter and a lot of fun and enjoy life. And so let me encourage you. That's on 9.30 Monday, but this is Tuesday at 10 o'clock, and help with those favors. And let's watch the next video. You may be seated. Let's watch the video, and then we'll be dismissed. yet registered for the ladies conference coming up at Grandview this Friday and Saturday, May 20 and 21st. There's still time to do so. Don't miss out on this time of encouragement and teaching, as well as a play put on by our members and staff. The cost will be $25 and signups are available on the church website, as well as the welcome table in the foyer. Grandview Men's Softball is back this summer and you can sign up for the welcome desk today. This year we are playing our games at Wesley Lynn Park. The cost will be $40 to cover the field rental, team jersey, hat, and several weeks of games. For questions or more information, please see Paul Potter. Kids and teenagers, you will not want to miss out on our upcoming special inflatable day. Come to church on Sunday morning, May 22nd, for a special time in God's Word, singing, and exciting inflatable obstacle course that we will enjoy during the morning service. Join us for the Iwana Award Night on Wednesday, May 25th at 7 p.m. Children will say verses and will be given awards based on their accomplishments in the program. Don't miss out on this chance to see how much God is working in the lives of the children here at Grandview. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connection card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. God bless you. You are dismissed.